I'm talking tonight about impermanence. And it's a, it's a frequent topic, but I think it's really an important topic because it's, uh, it's with us all the time, uh, even when we're not aware of it and we think things are permanent and stable, that they're not really. There's a, there's an, uh, a groundlessness that exists. And impermanence is so important. It's one of the three characteristics of the Buddhist teachings, the three characteristics of existence. There's impermanence. Everything's changing. There is uh, the idea of no self. There's no fixed self. We are all conditioned beings. We're dependent on causes and conditions. If I were a permanent self, if there was a permanent self, would I be the three-year-old Mary or the 20-year-old Mary? And obviously I've changed and grown and shifted and um, I wouldn't be here if my parents hadn't met. So there's all kinds of causes and conditions that have um, resulted in this person um, in this Zoom room in front of you. And then dukkha, that the nature is by its, or, or existence is by its nature unsatisfactory because things are impermanent, because we get fixated on wanting things to be a certain way and they're not. And the, the Buddha said, you know, there is birth, there is death, there is sickness, there's aging, there's, we're, being separated from things we love, that is unsatisfactory, that's uncomfortable, and that's part of life. And to recognize this dukkha, which is often translated as suffering, but it's also just the unsatisfactoriness of um, the world we live in. You know, we never, I don't think any of us have lived happily ever after with no problems whatsoever. It just doesn't work that way. So, um, the, that those three characteristics are so important, and there's a there's a monk from um, the last century um, who's in Sri Lanka, Nayana Ponika Tara, and he said, "To see things as they really are means seeing them consistently in the light of the three characteristics. Ignorance of these three or self-deception about them is by itself a potent cause for suffering." by knitting, as it were, the net of false hopes, of unrealistic and harmful desires, of false ideologies, false values, and aims of life in which man is caught, ignoring or distorting these three basic facts can only lead to frustration, disappointment, and despair. So the, the, the willingness to ignore these three... These three um, characteristics is a recipe for a lot of suffering, a lot of suffering. And so I just wanted to talk about impermanence. Um, and the reason I was thinking about it this week was because I went to Kansas City earlier this week. And I had been planning this trip for a long time. A lot of, I had a lot of deadlines and things were going on and they were all kind of ending around June. And I said, I'm going to treat myself. And um, the reason I chose Kansas City, I'd never been there. I have no family there. I just, um, I'm, I, a couple of, couple of things got me there. One, um, there's a museum there and a statue of my favorite image of Guan Yin is in this museum of 
in Kansas City of all places. This is, is pretty famous, this, if, you, if you recognize this image of Guan Yin. Um, I even have it tattooed on my leg. I, I love this image. It's about six or seven feet tall. Anyway, she's in this museum in Kansas City. Another reason I wanted to go to Kansas City is because I am a huge baseball fan. And I found out a couple of years ago about the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, which exists in Kansas City. It was their 100th anniversary two years ago, and about six or seven months ago, I started listening to Black Diamonds, which is this podcast all about the um, Negro Leagues. And I said, I really want to go there. I really want to go there. And um, so I started looking into it. And they also, they also have a baseball team. I like the Kansas City Royals. And just so happened that my team in Los Angeles, the Angels, were playing there this week. So I got this trip all put together. And I went on Monday. And I flew Monday morning. And I flew home Wednesday morning. I was there for like just less than 48 hours. But it was great. I got to go to the museums. I got to go to ball games. I had a really, really, really lovely time. And as I was, I remember I went from the airport to the museum where Guan Yin is, and they had her set up in this beautiful room that was set up as a, a temple. They had um, murals from temples on the wall and other pieces, and it was just a beautiful, quiet, dimly lit room. And I sat there for a while, and, and then it was time to go. And I got up, and I was very conscious of, okay, the time here is done. And I'm just going to get up and I'm going to leave. I'm going to look at the rest of the museum and I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive to my hotel. Very conscious of that time ending. And also kind of like poking at it going, is there, any, is there any craving? Is there any attachment? What's here? What's here? What's here? It's like, no, it's, it's time to move. And, and the same thing with the, the baseball museum. The next day I went to that and I spent a couple of hours there and I read everything and I kind of sat there and... Um, then it was time to go. It's like, okay, this time has passed. And I, and I left and went to a couple of ball games and I enjoyed them. And then they were over and it was time to go. And I went to the airport and it was time to get on the plane. And, and Kansas City is in, my hist is in my past. And I was really conscious of the passing of time and that nothing remains forever. I couldn't stay in that room with Guan Yin forever. I couldn't stay in the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum forever. I, I'm sure I could have tried to hide somewhere. You see, all, aren't they movies about that stuff, hiding in museums? But I wasn't gonna do that. Everything passes. And it was really interesting because years ago, I would be so sad when things were, time was up and it was time to go. Like I remember going camping and having such a good timing and being in this beautiful place. And the night before we were leaving, just kind of like, oh, will I ever come back? Oh, you know, the sobbing and the yearning and the, and the real difficulty in letting go, this morbidity around things ending that I was really attached to. And, um, and then as I have this very clear memory as a kid going to an amusement park and being anticipating all week, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we're going to go, we're going to go. And Saturday came and being there on Saturday and then all the time I was there, it was like five more hours and it's going to be over. Three more hours and it's going to be over. I mean, I was missing 
the moment because I knew it was going to end and I was dreading it. I was dreading the ending of something pleasant that I was thought I was enjoying, but I was too wrapped up in my head. I wasn't present. You know, I was caught up in the what ifs and the if onlys rather than the being fully present for the experience of the moment. And I, as I was sitting in um, meditation a couple days ago in the morning after coming home, what, ex- what I experienced is tremendous fullness. It, was, it, it, it seemed like it was a fullness from the experiences I had. There was a, a loveliness that I was like, oh, let me be with this loveliness. Not the story about what happened and the ending and the impermanence, but the experience that's present. You know, we get to be with, recognizing this, this truth of, I love the, the Pali word, anicca, the truth of anicca, impermanence. It's everything passes and it's how we relate to that. You know, and, and the other side of it is true when something difficult is happening. We know it will pass. It may not pass in the time frame we want it to pass, but it's going to pass. And so to recognize that and to, I oftentimes when I'm in a place where there's a, a thought that won't, that just keeps coming back, I have one of those repetitive thoughts about, oh, why did I do that? Or I can't believe we're being overwhelmed. And I'll stop sometimes and go, hmm, I can't wait till this is gone because <laughs> I just know it's going to go. And I'm like, I wonder when, I wonder when that's going to be. But to have that awareness. So, you know, as I was talking about self, recognizing that all conditioned, all conditioned things are subject to change. That's kind of, that was like some of the Buddha's final words. Everything conditioned will, will end and change. So I, I was talking about being here because my parents met. You know, my experience this week was dependent on me flying to Kansas City and, and having heard that guy talk about the Negro League Baseball Museum on a podcast I listened to a couple of years ago. And, and for some reason, I like baseball and, and how that happened. And, you know, and I'm here because my mother got pregnant when she was 47 and my ancestors came over from, they, you know, they took the boats from where they lived and came over to the United States and somehow my parents met and, and all this stuff just happens and comes and goes and shifts and changes and people come and they're born and they live and they die. And it's just the nature of existence, but we cling so much. And when we cling, we suffer. It's not the the experience itself that may be uncomfortable, it's the clinging and or, or our resistance to what's happening. It's that very wise teaching about the second arrow. You know, when we think about something um, ending that we're enjoying, you know, there's the pain of the grief of loss of something ending. Let's say we, we lose a job or a friendship ends or something happens, and so there's a sadness there. And instead of being with the sadness, being with whatever the emotion is, the discomfort of whatever it might be, the mind kicks in. If only I hadn't done that. If you had only, if, 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 what, it, why, and we fight or we scream or we kick, and those are the second arrows and the third arrows and the fourth arrows where we punch and kick and scream against reality. And you know, no one ever wins a fist fight with reality famous words. 
So to recognize that and just say, you know, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. A friend, a friend of mine is an entertainer, and she, uh, she does a show fairly frequently in Los Angeles, and she always opens with a song. She has, it's like a cabaret. Of, uh, and so she always opens, and she always opens with a song called Change. And a couple of the lines are like, um, Change makes us so unhappy, but we have to change to be happy. But we cling and we cling. Um, and it's true. So change is another way of looking at impermanence. It, things change. And when we cling, we're unhappy because we're trying to hold on. It's like holding on to sands falling through your fingers. It's impossible. Or snow melting. It's impossible to hold on to. So why do we try? We try because we think that if we can just get things right, then we'll be okay. You know, we have a fixed idea of how things should be. You know, there's this subtle desire to keep things the way they are, especially if we like them, or to replicate things. You know, it may not even be conscious, but it's there. And then whatever it is that it goes away, we have a sense of disappointment or longing. You know, and when we're not aware of that flavor, it can be really painful. We can be really sad, you know. And the same is, and the reverse is true in, in this wish to get rid of something that we don't like. You know, as I said, we blame, we get angry, we do all types of things to make it stop being what it is instead of recognizing that everything will pass. Everything will pass. Um, it's true for the big things in our lives. It's true for the small things in our lives. Some things take a long time. And some things may not change as quickly as we like. I was reading some, some quotes the other day. Um, oh, in fact, I think I have them here. Some notes I made from, the, from this other talk. And um, Reverend Jim Lawson, who is a, a, one of the icons of the civil rights era, who was a great teacher of nonviolence, and he said, a system that is established, talking about um, capitalism and, and, and um, that, that mindset, and um, a system that is established over three or 400 years is not going to be dismantled in a few decades. It takes a steady stream of work. So recognizing that things shift, but maybe glacially, maybe not in our lifetimes. John Lewis talked about that, that the, this, ours is not the struggle of one day, one week, or one year. Ours is the struggle of, of one, or of one judicial appointment or presidential term. Ours is the struggle of a lifetime, or maybe even lifetimes. And each one of us in every generation must do, their, do our part. So a lot of the things that, impermanence, things change, but we may not even see them because they take so long or they're subtle. Um, glacial. I'm probably never, unless I see an earthquake, I'm not going to be really aware of tectonic plates shifting, things like that, because it's so big. And, you know, somebody, I was talking about this the other night, and somebody mentioned the, the, all the new images we're seeing from the web telescope, or the web, yeah, the web imagery. Um, all of those, most of those things don't exist anymore. You know, because there are how many hundreds and thousands of light years away, and we're just seeing the, the, I'm, the images that have traveled to us. 
It's like when you see stars in the sky. That stuff, those, the, that light may not even be there anymore. It's, um, I can't speak scientifically to explain what, exactly what it is, but I'm sure you know what I mean. It's, it's, um, it seems permanent, but it's not. And so we have to recognize that things are always changing, even if we think they're not. And the, and the joy and the glory of mindfulness practice is that we become aware of change, especially in our, in our meditation, in, in the time we practice, because things do change. You know, we, it's, I love sound, and you know that when you hear it coming, and then it gets loud, and then it dissipates, it's like the bell. You know, that's a beautiful example or some, um, a thought. If we're really resting in present time awareness, we can see a thought come and then we can see it go without clinging, without grasping. Or if we grasp it and then we let it go, it's just like, poof, it's not there anymore. It may come back, but it just dissipates. So to begin to see this change and recognize it in, as, in our own lives is really important and it's this practice of mindfulness of paying attention understanding the idea of impermanence that it exists and then beginning to recognize it in our lives um it's really funny i get i am on the lion's roar mailing list and they send out a couple of things um a week lion's roar is one of the two i'm sure you're familiar one of the two main um buddhist publications um, general Buddhist publications in the U.S. or in English. And um, the other day the, it came, and I was just looking at it today, I didn't even realize it, and it was talking about this three characteristics. And Thich Nhat Hanh, who I really uh, I love his work, he talked about impermanence. And he said, the insight of impermanence helps us to go beyond all concepts. Because we have these concept, concepts, and it's the way the mind works. We have to have, you know, I'm not going to, um, you know, get a job and then go, well, this job could end at any minute. I mean, in one, in one realm, I recognize that everything's impermanent, but we also recognize that things stay the same, and we get up, and we show up, and we move. But then he talked about the idea of the river, you know, we can, we can go into a river two days in a row, but the water is different. You know, the river is the same, but it's also different. And it's like a, a lighting a candle. You know, you light a candle, and there's that flame there, and then you come back in an hour, there's still a flame there, but it's different. It's not the same stuff, and we can get into atoms and those types of things, molecules, but... Things are different, things are, are the same, but when we recognize the idea of impermanence, we can let go of those binaries and just say, this is, this is the way it is right now. I'm in this water, I'm in lighting this flame. I don't have to hold on so tightly. We have um, concepts that help us navigate the world, but we can also go beyond them. We're not tied to them so rigidly. And it's when we become, or when we are tied so rigidly is when we suffer, when we are um, um, stuck. And impermanence, actually, Thich Nhat Hanh, another point he made is that impermanence is necessary to, it makes things possible. If, if, if things were permanent, then a kernel of corn or a seed would never grow into a plant. 
You know, I would never, the little me would never grow into the adult me if, thing, if impermanence was not a truth. So it's, um, it's important to understand the idea of, of impermanence of Anicca as, as we talk about this, but then to also begin to recognize it, embody it. And that's what I think my experience was this week as I had been so looking forward to this trip and really looking forward to seeing Guan Yin and seeing Guan Yin and being with her and then saying it's time to go and going without that stickiness. And the same thing in the, in the museum, the Negro Leagues Museum, to be in it and to just take it all in, just drink it all in, and then that time had ended and to move and to have that embodied understanding of impermanence without an attachment to concepts or ideas uh, or this, oh, it's ending and I'm sad, but just being in the flow, just being in the flow. Um, so important, so important and so helpful. Um, another thing that's really helpful around this is the teaching of the eight worldly winds, which is a teaching in equanimity, but it's also a teaching of impermanence. Um, the eight worldly winds, the Buddha said, happen to everyone. When you are, um, there's praise and there's blame, and there's gain and loss, pleasure and pain, fame and ill repute, and they come and they go and they come and they go. And we want to hold on to the pleasant and push away the unpleasant, but that's impossible because things change. And in fact, one of the suttas the Buddha says that the noble disciple, the one who is in practice, understands that pleasant will change, that gains will change, that happiness will change to unhappiness. And because the, the noble disciple understands, he will not suffer that second arrow. If we don't understand, then we will be uncomfortable and to be, continue to be caught in, in, in delusion, in this idea that, we can somehow hold on to something that we want. I, I've said it before, but I absolutely love it. Biko Analio, who I sat with um, a few times last year, said that the sum of the Buddha's teachings, and Biko Analio has written a lot of books and is a great scholar, he said the sum of the Buddha's teachings can be um, uh, summarized in five letters, L-E-T-G-O. Let go. So letting go, when we hold on to cling is to suffer, when we let go, there's the freedom. Letting things, letting those things pass. All conditioned things must pass. You know? And recognize that, recognize it's going to happen. Acknowledging the emotions, because as I said earlier, when, when we lose something that's dear to us, like a, a person we love dies or something happens that's tragic, be present with the emotions too. Because there's a way to use this teaching of impermanence for spiritual bypass. And spiritual bypass is using the teachings as a tool not to feel. Oh, everything's impermanent. Oh well, you know, don't have to feel that. 
uh, that's not wise, that's not being actually um, in the teachings, that's um, using um, the teachings as another form of delusion and aversion. And so to just say, yeah, everything's impermanent and this is painful right now. This is painful right now. I have my, one of my dearest friends lost her dog suddenly this week. He died um, very suddenly. And so, yeah, of course, we knew, we know all things are going to die. It's one of the five remembrances where all of the nature to grow old, get sick and die. But it doesn't mean, oh, well, everybody dies. Well, da di da di da No, we're still human. We're still connected to each other. We're still... Um, have these emotions so, so to acknowledge and to be present and to come to our experience with compassion and kindness so important because this this awareness of the the commonality of this experience for all beings impermanence is true for all it allows us to then begin to feel compassion and empathy for others because they're also experiencing impermanence. All beings lose, you know, are of the nature to grow old, get sick, and die. It's so easy for us to other people and go, oh, they don't have any problems. They're so rich. They were so smiley all the time. What did they know? And it's like we all experience this. We don't all deal with it the same way, but impermanence is impartial. Um, one of the other stories that is also very, very famous is um, the story of Ajahn Chah, the very wise teacher, Thai monk, and his teacup, um, where monks don't, monks and Theravada monks don't own anything, but his, his monks um, in the monastery were noticing that he was using the same teacup every day, and we said, we think you're attached to that teacup. Bonte. And he said, um, I, to me, this cup is already broken. I know it's going to pass at some point, but I'm going to enjoy it while it's here. So that's a very important lesson to get, you know, that harkens back to my experience in the amusement park. It's like, I missed out on enjoying my time there because I knew it was going to end and I was I was just so sad and I kept you know counting down the time I was not able to enjoy the experience whereas Ajahn Chah is like yeah it's going to end but it's here right now be present be in the moment that is such an important teaching because there's no other moment so be here now I've heard that before it's um, learn how to be comfortable with change because it exists. It exists. So begin to see um, yeah, begin to recognize it. Begin to recognize it. Begin to recognize your relationship with it. Um, some things were some things are easier to let go of than others. Some things we're you know not this you know what is what is the what is the famous line? Um, never, n never, not now, or okay. Try and let go of those nevers and rec or just recognize if you're in a never 
relationship with something. No, I can never let this go. You know, it's like, I can't help it. I was born that way. And it's like, we're conditioned beings. It might be in our DNA because of, you know, the, in, the generational conditioning that we have, our, our familial conditioning, the societal conditioning, but we can move towards letting go of those things that, that condition us. But we have to be aware of them, which is, again, where mindfulness comes in. Watch where you're stuck. I always say, what gets in the way? Where are you stuck? What's causing suffering? That's really important as we move through this. And, um, yeah, let's see. Anything else? Anything else? Any of these other notes? No. I think that's it. I think that's all I, I have on this. So thank you, thank you, thank you, my friends, for your attention. And um, now we're out of time because everything ends. Ha, ha, ha. Um, and thank you. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.